All right, so we have criteria that the uh, the Charlotte City Council is going to use to draw their new district boundaries for their seven council district seats. What are the criteria? Glad you asked. Uh, the most important criteria will be equal population, because that's one person, one vote. That's the biggest deal, 125,000 people per district. Um this was, uh, so Councilman Malcolm Graham, City Councilman Malcolm Graham, and he is, what is he, District 1, I think, if memory serves, District 1, let's see, do, 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 sorry, District 2, he's District 2, his district, by the way, let's see, his district, did it lose people or gain people, uh, his district is about 6,000 people too big, so he's going to have to shave off 6,000 people. District 1 is going to have to pick up like 11,000 people. But District 6 is the only is one of two Republican seats. It's the South Park area and they're going to have to pick up 12,000 residents. District 7 right next door is also a Republican district, but it has 125,000 people already. So they're like we don't need to change that. So while that may at first seem like, oh, okay, good, they're going to leave a Republican district intact, they're leaving that Republican district intact because it then forces District 6 to have to grab voters from the other districts that are next to it. What districts are next to it? Glad you asked. District 1, District 3, District 5, and all of those are Democrat districts. They're all Democrat districts. Now, uh, District 1, they've lost voters. They need to pick up. Or I shouldn't say they lost voters. They're 11,000 shy. So they're not going to be able to pick up unless they go somewhere else. So they can't be giving population to District 6 because then that means they're going to have to find even more voters from their surrounding uh, uh, districts, right? So District 1, I don't know if they're going to be able to reach up in there unless they're going to do a major redraw of District 1. District 3, well, they're 17,000 over. So there's a whole lot of voters that they could pick up and move into District 6. And if you look at District 6, I-77 seems like a pretty good barrier on that western side because there's this whole strip that runs between I-77 and... And uh, I'm trying to read this. uh, mm, Is that Pineville Road? Yeah, it becomes Pineville Road. uh, South Boulevard. So that whole strip, they could just shift it all into District 6. Now, I don't know if that's going to cover 9,000 people. Probably not. But that's going to be that's a potential big chunk that you could move. Right. This is the kind of games that they're going to be playing. What other criteria are they allowed to look at? Population. They want them to be reasonably compact. Well, that's just in the eye of the beholder. What is reasonable, right? District boundaries may follow neighborhood boundaries, but they don't have to. It just says may, not shall. Or they may follow the boundaries of areas containing residents sharing similar interests. There's the key. This is the key. I've mentioned this before. This is how Democrats are going to try to uh, uh, put the thumb on the scale of the redistricting all over the country, but in, at the state level, this is how they're going to try to do it. The communities of similar interest, right? This is how they rigged the game in California a decade ago. They created fake associations, fake groups 
fake website. And then they had people, activists, who would go down to represent this, quote, community of similar interest. And they weren't actually a community of similar interest at all. They were just all Democrat activists. And they would go down there, never tell anybody that they were affiliated with some left-wing advocacy group. They were just there representing bicyclists of South Park, you know, something like that. And we really need, you know, I ride my bicycle and I go into this area, so that's an area of similar interest. And like, hey, I ride my bike too and I live near South Park. We're a similar interest, you know. That's how they rigged the system. So this, I anticipate, this is how they're going to do it here. Because why wouldn't they? They're going to rely heavily on public input. Um, we've got, what else here? To, to, to do district boundaries may follow precinct boundaries. But again, not shall. These are the secondary, uh, this level is secondary importance. So the first ones that I read to you, which are what? Uh, compactness, equal population, and may follow neighborhood boundaries or contain residents sharing similar interests. Those are the top priorities. The second priority, second level criteria is may follow precinct boundaries. Boundaries may be drawn considering the race of district residents as long as it's not the predominant factor. But we don't know if it is or isn't, but we'll let you know. But because it's Democrats drawing the maps, of course race won't be a determining motivating factor. That's not, that's not what Democrats do. It's not like Democrats are all in on like identity politics or something. Um, districts most likely to be impacted by future annexations or growth rates may be smaller in order to minimize future annexations. So if you got a, and this really doesn't apply anymore because the state legislature got rid of like the forced annexation stuff. So uh, then there's district boundaries may be drawn to avoid contests between incumbents. Isn't that helpful? Got to protect the incumbents. So those are your criteria. And I suspect that we're going to come out of this process with a six to one Democrat majority or as uh, Democrats refer to them as uh, fair maps. It'll be a fair map. Let me go over here to Jerry. Welcome to the program. Hey, Jerry, how are you? I'm good, Pete. How are you? I am doing well. What's up? So a new suggestion I hope you'll consider. I would love to see you start every show from now until forever throwing out an open invitation to every single member of the Charlotte City Council, asking them to come on the show and discuss this redistricting and be ready to tell them or, you know, tell them what they said previously, you know, regarding going after Republicans asking for these things and just saying, uh, you know, what caused the flip? What you what's the story now? So what Malcolm Graham said in response to that question was, um, well, this is these are the criteria that the council and the mayor directed us to use. And so that's why we have them. So he's as if he's not a member of council, right, as if he's not part of the decision making body that set the criteria. So, yeah, like I, I, I watched the press conference and that was his answer. But the thing is, is that, you know, he said that at a press conference, get, get them, get them on the air. But do you, do you think I'd be successful and you think they'll take the invitation? You think they take the you think they take that invitation? Well, let me let me just tell you this. I I'm, I can't claim credit for this, but I kind of like to. I have been tweeting Vi Lyle for months about not saying a peep about the almost daily murders, mm-hmm. predominantly among black citizens of Charlotte. 
And I was so glad. I don't. I would love to know who on her staff finally convinced her to say something about the the awful murder, the tragic murder of that sweet little three year old boy. Mm-hmm. Um, it w- w- took her way too long and way too many bodies. But I'm glad that someone finally convinced her to do it. Well, and that was a baby. Yeah, if the, my badgering yeah. her on Twitter had anything to do with that, I'm I'm proud of that. Um, I don't want to. Okay, so my assumption is always that everything on Twitter is not real, and so me <laughs> tweeting at people uh, doesn't cause them to do anything. If anything, <laughs> it hardens their position because it's me saying it. And I recognize that, like, and just like me being on the radio, I recognize that me saying these things and saying, "Oh no, you need to come on my show," never works. It 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 virtually never ever works. So, uh, because look, what do they have to gain? What do they have? What does a, a five to two council majority in, at the district level, nine to two at the to, at the uh, the total level? What do those nine members have to gain by coming on this show to talk with me about redistricting so I can say that they're adopting hypocritical positions? There's, there, here's, the, here's the thing, Pete, though. Uh-huh. Here's the thing. I, I, I totally agree with you. Will they? Probably not, but more because they're gutless cowards than anything else. But there's nothing to gain, I, though. No, I mean, even rationally, there's no win for them there. Because what? So, so if they come on the show and I and I pin them, then they look bad. If they come on the show and they don't and they're unable to uh, make a convincing argument, they look bad. The only way it's a win for them is if they come on the show and they are able to persuade me or pin me. And I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it could happen uh, because I have the data. So, like, I, I, I there's no there's no chance for them to win. Here's the thing, though. We know they're we, we know they're too gutless to ever come on, regardless of how you frame it, whether they win or not win. I think it's important to consistently call them out and and do it often and as loudly as you feel comfortable or other people want to do it, because they they have to know that people are are getting fed up with this. Well, that's what we're doing right now. Yeah, I appreciate the call, Jerry. Thank you. I appreciate Boomer Von Cannon as well. He does traffic. News Talk 1110-993 WBT, Pete Callender Show. I'm Pete. And 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. The email is Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. The Democratic argument, Democratic Party argument, when it came to Republican-drawn district maps at the state level, has been essentially a proportional uh, representation argument. They have said that, look, We look at all of the registered voters in the state and the number of seats that each party wins should basically be proportional to either voter registration numbers or proportionate to uh, the total votes cast for each of the major parties, the two major parties, of course, because they never look at the third and fourth parties. But the two major parties, you know, if, if Trump carries the state, then uh, by like one percentage point, then that should be basically how every all the other seats are split up. If the governor you know, runs away with it by 10 percentage points, then that should be enough. Or they'll say something like take all of the congressional races, put them all together, aggregate those numbers. And however many votes went to the Democrats versus the Republicans, you divide that. And that's how many seats of the 13 they should keep. In other words, it's a proportionate model. So I, because I am a giver. I ran a proportional model for the city council districts, and you're never going to guess what I found. I'm not sure that the the city council folks realize this or not, but right now, 
Republicans are underrepresented on the city council. They're being disenfranchised right now. And we know how much that matters to the Democrats. They're constantly screaming about disenfranchisement. And lo and behold, there's disenfranchisement right here in the city of Charlotte. Oh, my gosh. What are we going to do? I think some Democrats are going to have to step aside, give the seats to Republicans. That's the only fair thing to do. I'll break down the numbers in a second. Let me go over here to Pete. Great name. Welcome to the program, Pete. Hi, this is Pete. I live in the Coolwood area of Northwest Charlotte. Yep. And uh, I was a candidate uh, about four years ago, I think 2017, for Charlotte City Council, District 2. Uh, District 2 runs from uptown in 3rd Ward. And it runs like a V to the west of Brookshire and a little bit to the east of I-77. Okay. All the way up to North Lake, over to Mountain Island area. And a point that I had learned in that was, you know, we had to kind of strategically look at where we're going to get the votes in this district to win as a Republican where no Republican has ever won. So we had to find where are the Republican voters at in that district. And it was easy to map out. You could get that information from Board of Elections. Right. And uh, looking at it, basically, majority of them was in the very north part of that district. And ironically, that was some of the newest areas that had been annexed into the city. Well, my point being, as Charlotte annexed further north and west, they didn't create a new district. No. It just became an extension of District 2. Right, absolutely. But when Ballantyne area came into existence, guess what? We created a new district for it. <laughs> and I thought, that just don't quite seem right. I know Ballantyne area obviously has more growth, and the population is there to justify it. But still, the point is, you created a new district for mm-hmm. it. Well, that was yeah. one of the criteria that they used. Exactly. Yeah. That was one of the criteria, the, an area for future growth, and they expected there to be a lot more growth in Ballantyne than up in that part of uh, the city uh, right. where you were in Coolwood. Yeah. You know, the other thing I learned was, and this will be a point to make with another mar- uh, another point, is a lot of the Republicans in District 2 had stopped voting in city elections. They sure. had stopped voting for years in city elections because they didn't see any reason to go to the polls. Right. When the city elections, you know, which were just local elections, nothing national on the ballot. Right. Uh, so they had just gave up hope and uh, just wouldn't even voting. So we, we learned a lot about it. Uh, and I brought this up with Meg GOP, you know, several years ago. That this is how redistricting has got to be looked at. There needs to be a new district created. No question about it. But I just don't see how you can slice up the pie anywhere you want to slice it. Divided anywhere you want to divide it, nowhere is going to favor Republicans to win a majority on the seat. seat no, seat. and I'm not arguing. I'm not arguing it should. Absolutely not. There's. Uh, I, I don't think that. Uh, the, I don't think that the city has enough Republican voters in it. A lot of Republican voters have actually just left Mecklenburg County altogether. Um, but that does not mean, though, that there shouldn't be a fairer map. Let's call it. I mean, I just feel like I need to own the mistake when I make it, you know? Own it, Pete! You should own your mistake! Okay. So I did the numbers. I ran the numbers. Because I am a giver, I shall give them to 
the Charlotte City Council as they proceed in their redistricting. So keep in mind, you got 11 total seats on the city council. Four of them are at large. So they represent the whole city. So the whole city gets to vote on them. And then so you you end up with these slates. Usually, has the Republican Party even put forth a four-person slate for the at-large elections? I'm not sure. Um, but I'm going to find out this year. Or, sorry, not this year because they changed it to next year because of COVID, of course. So they'll be doing it next year. So you're going to have all these candidates running for four total at-large seats. And by the way, you can be part of this uh, this effort that I've been engaged in now for several years. It hasn't really taken hold, but um, I'm trying to get the term top vote getter abolished. It's a terrible term. I hate it. So I would very much like to replace it. And this is not my own idea. This was an idea from a listener uh, on a previous radio show back in Asheville, but I totally stole it because it was on my show that she offered it. Votainer. Votainer. So the top votainer, right? It's it's a really good idea that I totally came up with on my own. Votainer. And uh, and so you we use that term instead of top vote getter. It's a terrible term. So you got four at-large city council votainers, and they have the, they're all Democrats. Okay, so you got four of those seats. Now, when you look at the numbers, I got this quote off of the, uh, this was what, WCNC, a piece by Hunter Sainz. Sainz? 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 I think is how he pronounces it. Anyway, it says, in a town where 20% of it is Republican, 35% of it is not Democrat, they're unaffiliated, do you believe a couple of Republicans are commensurate with that balance? Should they be on city council or not? This was a quote from Tark Bakari, who represents District 6, which is about to get eaten up and turn Democrat. Just a prediction. So, I did the math. If his numbers are correct, got 20% Republican and 35% unaffiliated. Okay, so let's say of the 35%, half of them vote Republican, because that's generally the case, you know. So, half are Republican. So, 17. 17% plus 20% is... I was told there would be no math, but there is 30, right, it's 37%. 37%, so roughly what? A third. Roughly one-third of the voting population in the city votes for, or uh, sorry, are registered and vote for Republicans. One-third. So, let's do a little bit of math. What's 37% of four at-large seats? 1.48. So, just under one and a half. So, one seat proportionally speaking, should be a Republican. But none of them are. That's turnout and candidates, because candidates matter and stuff. But that there should be one, 1.48. Now let's look at the districts. There are seven districts. 37% of the seven gives you what? 2.59. Ooh. So they should have three seats. Three seats plus one seat is four seats. Republicans should have four seats on the Charlotte City Council. They have two, and the Democrats are about to draw them out of one of them. Just a prediction. They could totally not do that. I'm sure that could happen. Let me go to some sound bites here. This is Councilman Malcolm Graham. He was asked by uh, WBT's Brett Jensen about the uh, idea to add another district seat. The goal and objective of the committee uh, is to follow the charge as presented by the mayor and council. Adding an eighth additional district or deleting an at-large one to accomplish that was not um, embedded in the charge that we were giving by the mayor and the council. So the redistricting committee will not be um, going in that direction. 
unless other um, authorized by the mayor council. Right. They already lost that fight. That's the answer. They already lost that fight because, you know, nine to two Democrats control the council. So, of course, they're not going to create a criteria that uh, allows for another district to be drawn. That might undermine their nine to two death grip on council. They're not going to do that. So, of course not. Um Joe, uh, Joe Bruno from WSOC asked, are there going to be, you know, multiple maps? And here is uh, Mac McCarley, who is the uh, he works for Parker Poe, which is the legal consultant. And he's the former city attorney. We're going to take our direction from the redistricting committee, but we will always present a least change map. Uh, we'll present any other maps that the committee tells us the parameters they wish to see a map drawn by. My guess is that by the time this is over, the committee will have looked at somewhere between five and ten different variations of maps. And it'll be up to the committee to decide uh, which one of those or which several of those to put in front of the full council for decision. i got to tell you, it's one of the things I've always loved about Mac McCarley. He has such a pleasant demeanor as he, as he speaks, and he speaks so clearly and precisely to the thing you're asking him about. So I've always, always enjoyed interviewing Mac McCarley. Just, I feel the need to say that. And I think he did it. Like, basically what he's saying is like, this ain't up to us. This is up to the, the committee. And the committee, of course, they're like, this isn't up to us. We didn't set the criteria. I mean, we are city council members, but the council, they set that. I mean, we were part of that vote too, but they did this. So we just had, this is, we were talking about it yesterday with uh, data. Garbage in, garbage out. This is how you direct the process to occur before anything even happens. So Jonathan Lowe, I think is his name from Spectrum News, he asked why the committee is made up of a majority of Democrats and only one Republican. Well, the committee was selected by the the mayor of Charlotte, Val Lau. She uh, selected the <laughs> members of the committee, uh, named me chairman. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you know, we have uh, 11 members on, on council, mm-hmm. nine are Democrats, mm-hmm. uh, two are Republicans. So I mm-hmm. think the makeup of the committee reflects the balance uh, on the uh, on the council itself. Right. See, so in this case, it's about balance. You got to have balance reflective of the uber super majority that Democrats enjoy. You couldn't put both of the Republicans on that committee in order to have a balanced committee. No, no, no. In this case, you want the committee to reflect what the council total makeup is. Unlike, let's say, a similarly proportional kind of approach to districting, right? The very thing that Democrats say they want at the state level. That's R.E.M. Orange Crush. All right, so at this press conference that uh, the city attorney and city councilman Malcolm Graham and uh, the uh, the former city attorney, Mac McCarley, who is now working for a consultant on the redistricting, they had a press conference, and uh, Malcolm Graham was asked about removing the partisan balance as one of the criteria Um, And he says, you know, can you balance District 6, which is right now District 6 is the South Park area, and it needs certain, hang on, let me get to my my cheat sheet here, my my math, Uh, District 6, right, has to pick up 12,000 people, has to pick a population of 12,000 in order to be uh, on par with the 125,000 people per district. That's, and you get that by doing the total population, dividing by seven districts, and that's how big each district should be. And so 
District 6 has to get bigger to get 12,000 more people. And I suspect the Democrats are going to pack those 12,000, uh, or they're going to pack District 6 with voters that they believe are going to be more likely to put them in power, even more so than they already are, under a fair map. Right. So uh, they were asked, look, you took out this partisan balance as a criteria, but can you balance District 6? And here is Malcolm Graham's response. Part of what we're going to do as a committee is follow where the data leads us and uh-huh. make those decisions according to um, facts and figures on the ground. Mm-hmm. And so there's no predetermination uh, what District 2 is going to look like. There's no predetermination what District 6 is going to look like. We're going to take our time and re- re- review the results when they come in. Uh, we also are going to talk to uh, all our district com- council members uh, to talk specifically about um, things in the districts that are important to them. Uh, and then we will sit down and, and draw the maps accordingly. And so there's no predetermination whether we're going to try to keep a um, uh, specific districts. Obviously, the spirit of what we want to do, right, while we remove those two language, because we believe, I believe, and the committee agreed by a unanimous vote that um, we want to p- provide realistic expectations not only to the community, but also to uh, the council as well. Uh, as you know, Mecklenburg County is really, really blue, right? Um, we have nine members uh, on city councils that are Democrats, two Republican. The county commission is all Democrats, and the state delegation, I think, has maybe one uh, Republican member out of about 18, 19, 20. And so, uh, again, I, I think that lets you know how this is going to play out. Um, obviously, it would be great to have a partisan balance. I think that's really important. Um, the, um, <laughs> the goal is not to have 9-2. The goal is just to draw the, the numbers, uh, um, to draw the city and the map according to the data. And I think, you know, just by knowing the numbers, uh, as I do, and I think we've talked about this as well, um, there's certain to be a Republican district for sure. District 7 um, doesn't have to have any changes at all. It's right at 124,000. Uh, district 6 uh, will probably, um, anecdotally, probably be a toss-up based on the numbers, but that has to be um, bear out by the facts and the data, and, and so that's what we're going to do. We're going to allow the um, the city um, planning, uh, Mr. McCauley, to do their jobs and make their recommendations to us, uh, and so we'll follow their recommendations. Right. Again, this is built on a premise that District 7, which is Ed Driggs's district, Republican, that District 7 doesn't get touched. See, if you, and, and it makes sense, too, if you think about it, right, that if you've got this this Republican district at 125,000, the Democrats are arguing, well, it's already at 125,000. We don't need to make any changes. Well, yes, but if you're not going to make any changes, that means you can't move some neighborhood or several neighborhoods out of seven into six in order to create the balance. So what they have, in essence, done is created a criteria without stating it, but they, they created a criteria that says, District 7 isn't going to be touched. That's what it seems like to me. Everybody keeps saying it. Like, oh, it's already at the population number, so we don't have to touch it. Well, that's not why you would touch it, though. You would touch it if you need to move groups around. But if they had kept the partisan balance criteria in their list, then they could have done so. They could have used that criteria in order to redo the lines of District 7. But they took it out. They took out the criteria that would give them the reason to do it. So now they're like, well, we don't have any reason to do it. This is what I mean. 
garbage in, garbage out. They've set the rules. They've essentially rigged it. And they're going to, yeah, they're, they're, they're going to draw Tark Bakari out of his seat. That's what they're going to do. I mean, everybody knows this, right? Like, this is very clear. I mean, we're going to go where the data leads us, obviously. But the data is going to lead you to one place because you've walled off District 7. You've said this line that separates 6 and 7 is not moving. So, therefore, the only places you can go are into more Democrat districts. Meanwhile, District 7, maybe you could tweak those numbers, bring in more Democrats, but also make sure that that's a Republican-held seat. Now, look, people who are like, you shouldn't be drawing these seats in order to achieve a partisan balance at all. This was the Democrats' arguments at the state level, not the, not the local level. They have different arguments at different levels. See, and usually it, it just coincidentally aligns with how they stand to benefit the most. That's usually the argument that they adopt. I just find it interesting. Look, you're like, I have come to the conclusion that on districting stuff here, it is a political process. I'm simply pointing out the politics here. I'm not screaming and crying, oh, no, fair, you guys stink, and you're undermining democracy. Like, I'm not doing what Democrats do, trying to overturn the board, right? You guys are in power. This is your city. Republicans helped to build it, and then you said, we don't need you anymore, so that's where you guys are. This is pure politics. It's just about power. But I'm also going to call out, you know, the, the hypocrisy here, not that it's going to, you know, persuade any of the hypocrites from changing their ways, <laughs> but, uh, but it's important to know nonetheless. Uh, last clip here, this was uh, a response to WBT's Brett Jensen asked, what data will the committee have access to? The data that the committee will have available to them if they're interested is total population in the precincts. Mm -hmm. and it, we're not... One of the things that we're going to try to do is keep the basic building block as the precincts. So all the data is going to be sliced at precinct level. They'll have total population of the precincts. They'll have party registration in the precincts. And if they're interested, we can pull up um, actual voter participation in that precinct. Uh, age is not necessarily an issue. Gender is not an issue. Uh, sometimes folks will ask about population over 18 to get a sense of voting age population but that's a when you're rank ordering the things people want to generally know about that's near the bottom of the list okay so most important populations being equal uh and then voter participation and affiliation right these are the criteria participation voter affiliation and race these are the criteria the democrats said should not be used because they are disenfranchising voters. That was their argument at the General Assembly state level. Speaking of the General Assembly, we're going to talk to the Speaker of the House, Tim Moore, coming up next. Stay tuned on News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT News is next.